everyone. Welcome back to Staying Connected, a podcast where I talk to other people about their stories with vascular Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, or VEDS, which I also have. This is Katie, your host, and before I introduce our very special guest today, I want to let you know that this podcast is going to be taking a summer break and will resume in the fall. If you would like to share your story on this podcast, please reach out to me. You can go to translucent1.blog. There is a contact page there, and I will put a link to that in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for all your support for this podcast and in general for just being an amazing community for the last three years that I have been doing this podcast. And now I am very excited to introduce to you someone who is very special to me, and I think many people in this community feel the same. I kind of think of her as the mother of our community, and Kathy, I am just so excited that you are coming onto the show and sharing your experience. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Katie, for having me here. I, It's not only my story. Um, I think it's the Bowen family story because each one of us um, was severely impacted by what happened and by Dave's death. Our daughter, Melissa, was only 10 and a half at the time. Uh, So her whole life, she always had her older brother in her life. But uh, now her life was completely shattered. And she not only lost her only sibling, but she also lost a huge part of her parents. And it was the toughest struggle for all of us to stick together and not fall apart or let what happened to Dave destroy us. Um, I knew that I needed to find a way to hold us together um, because I really was an empty shell. Um, The deepest part of me died with Dave. Um, If I didn't find something to fill that, that emptiness, Um, we probably wouldn't have survived, but Dave was the only one who had, um, vascular EDS, but for my husband, daughter, and I, um, it's more that we have it in our heart and soul. So that's, that's, it affects everyone in the family when you lose someone so special. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm so grateful for you sharing this story with us. And I know that, I mean, I've heard so much about Dave and I'm really excited to have you share that with everybody too. So tell me more about David. Who, who was he? You want to share his full name or? Uh, yes, he was born David Daniel Bowen III. Um, and he was the greatest gift. He was a bright light whose flame was snuffed out way too soon. He was born three and a half weeks early after my membranes ruptured prematurely. He weighed four pounds, five ounces, 17 and a half inches long. He came out super alert with his eyes wide open. Considering his size, he did very well and didn't need much assistance. I also uh, discovered that there was a ABO incompatibility between him and I. When the mom's uh, blood type is type O and the baby is type A, the mom's antibodies, her immune system attacks the baby's blood. If uh, it could have been extremely serious where he would have needed a blood transfusion, but thankfully he didn't need that. Um, His head did measure a little large 
um, like 39 weeks. So they termed him small for gestational age, but no one ever uh, followed up or told us to have it checked out. But Dave loved life and he lived it to the fullest. His passion was magic, science, playing hockey, and most of all, drawing. He was an exceptional artist. He loved his family, and he had a great sense of humor. He loved to laugh. He was gentle, kind-hearted young man on the verge of adulthood with so many new discoveries waiting. And sadly, he never got the chance to experience that high school, prom, dating, a serious girlfriend, independence, driving a car, uh, college, and so many more. Yeah. How old was he um, and what happened to him? He was 14 um, when all of a sudden he developed uh, pain in his abdomen. And he he said it felt like he had to go to the bathroom, but he uh, it wouldn't come out. So we took him to the emergency room and they diagnosed him with a bowel perforation. He was 13 and a half at the time. Um, so they had to do emergency surgery and they wound up giving him a colostomy, which was you know, devastating for him and for all of us, but he did survive the initial perforation. Um, it was a long struggle to get him back to, you know, the way he was before. Yeah. But but when he came home after um, having that, um, he it was his fourteenth uh, birthday, and he was home recovering. And we had bought him new uh, rollerblades. And all he wanted was to put the rollerblades on and skate around the driveway. So his father and I, you know, held each arm and he skated around the driveway because he was a hockey player. He was a a roller skater, uh, ice hockey player. That's what he wanted to be. So, um, you know, he, he took a lot and he wanted to recover and, It wasn't until um, we were faced with trying to um, figure out why he had bowel perforation. And I took him to um, a teaching hospital to try and figure out why that occurred. Mm -hmm. But no one um, could, you know, figure out why he had a bowel perforation at 13 and a half years old. So then how how did that progress? Did they try to do a reversal of the colostomy? Well, that was the plan was to give it um, uh, two months. And after I took him to the children's hospital, and they determined that there was no other cause, they didn't see anything that, you know, would have caused a bowel perforation, then he was scheduled to have the reversal. And it occurred really, um, he was scheduled the day after he graduates from eighth grade. So um, he was on homebound, um, but he wanted to be part of his graduation. Um, So he wanted to go back to school so um, he could be a part of everything and his friends and 
Um, and it was tough to go back eighth grade. You're 14 years old and you have colostomy. Yeah. And yeah, he he was determined that he was, you know, going to push through and, you know, he was looking forward to having the colostomy reversed so he could start high school and, you know, live his life. So what happened? So he graduated. Um, the next day we went in to have the reversal and um, there was a lot of adhesions, a lot of scar tissue, and it wasn't a simple reversal. And had they known about vascular EDS, they would have never tried to reverse it at that time, especially not having a diagnosis where we had um, the knowledge, you know, to, to have a skilled surgeon who knew about connective tissue disorders to do the, do the procedure. Mm -hmm. We didn't, we weren't afforded that opportunity. And that's, I think the, the, the most horrific thing is knowing that we didn't have a correct diagnosis for him, that um, they blindly went in and cut away at it, adhesions and um, cut the bowel in half to repair it, but it never, it never healed. So it started to leak inside of him the next day. And he was in that hospital for two weeks and it, he progressively got worse and worse to where I had to transfer him out of that hospital um, into uh, another hospital, try and save his life. And by the time I got him to the teaching hospital, he had sepsis, uh, internal bleeding, a large liver hematoma, four small bowel perforations, abscesses, and blood clots after two weeks being in the hospital. So he uh, was in that hospital for 10 days. And the next day they had to do emergency surgery to try and fix all the damage. And from his tissue being so um, fragile and like wet paper, they finally called in a geneticist to look at him. And all it took was for her to come in, look at his history, and look at him, and she was able to give him a diagnosis, but that came um, three days before he passed away. So by that time, it was too late to save his life. That sounds incredibly devastating. Um, it was. You, yeah. So did he have any signs that he had vets other than what he had been through? He did. He had almost all of them. He had the premature birth. He had translucent skin with visible veins, bruising. He had a tendon rupture. He was small built, small male. He had bilateral uh, hernias. He had a hyperspadius. Um, he had surgery when he was three months old to repair that. He healed, uh, but he bruised severely. And he slept with his eyes partially open. And the number one was the bowel perforation. Mm -hmm. So, um, but it was missed. So I, I couldn't fathom that the medical field wouldn't know something so devastating that, you know, they'd never seen before. So um, the one surgeon um, 
could only conceive that someone did something to him. And, um, you know, so we went through uh, an investigation for child abuse also, which was uh, another devastating thing to have to deal with. Yeah. Was that prior to his death, like before they tried to reverse the colostomy? Yes, that that was before. Yeah, before we were trying to figure out why he had the bowel perforation. So I had I knew in my gut um, that something, you know, something caused it and something wrong. And, you know, I tried to find the answer by, you know, going to different doctors and none of them gave me the answer that would have saved his life. That, that was what uh, caused my mama bear to be, uh, you know, a thousand, <laughs> you know, a thousand degrees. My, my anger was like through the wall. I couldn't, you know, especially him being premature and me worrying about him when he was little. I always took care of him, took him to his doctors. Anything that was wrong with him, I was right on top of it. So for him to have a genetic disorder that went undiagnosed for 14 years, it blew my mind. Mm -hmm. I totally, I couldn't even handle that. And it was like, um, you know, they, they, he, they dropped him, you know, through the crack. Yeah. And to be accused of of child abuse as well, I that is really, un- really yeah, that's, terrible. That's the, the topper right there. It, it's like, okay, if we can't explain it, then we'll just go with the the thing that's the most obvious that, you know, we think that it is and not, you know, look any further. And that's what, you know, caused me to do my own research. And when I started researching everything, because I needed to know everything about it, mm-hmm. what it was, what happened. And it was easy for me to find in the medical uh, literature um, 15, 16-year-olds who had bowel perforations that had vascular EDS. And it was the year or two before my son had his. So it would have been easy to find that answer, but no one was willing to look further or take that other step to look further. Yeah, and how if did I you could, how did you find yeah. this? I mean, it was it was nineteen ninety six. Yeah, I I went. I had just gotten a computer and went online, and I spent um, hours upon hours researching everything I could find. I went to the library, printed out um, articles. I had them find in medical journal articles for me. Mm-hmm. I educated myself so that I knew what I was talking about, what I was dealing with, because the hospital um, made it sound, they said to me that he was the second one that they ever heard of or ever knew of. So I was thinking in the world, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he's the second one that they know of in the world. But little did I know how common uh, it really, it really is. Yeah. And, And there's so many people who are undiagnosed still. Yes. Out there. Yes. You know, you talked about your your mama bear came out and you really wanted to understand. And and I think that's how you started advocating as well, even though he had passed. So I I really think that you've made a huge impact from that years, like years of doing that and getting this community together, truly. Well, 
uh, yeah, and I I tried to, you know, I tried to prevent another Dave. I knew there were many Daves out there who weren't diagnosed and their families out there. And I was going to try my best to prevent another death that was needless. If if he would have, um, if, if I would have had that diagnosis, that correct diagnosis, I would have been able to seek out better uh, physicians, better surgeons, you know, I'd be more aware of situations. I would have never put him back to have it reversed. Right. So things would have been different. And, you know, he could have still been alive and lived with that colostomy. So he didn't need to die. And that's what I was trying to prevent. I needed an avenue and I made him a promise. Um, I promised him that I would make sure that the doctors that took care of him would know everything about vascular EDS, that I would make sure that no one else would go through this. Yeah. And that I would dedicate my life to make that happen. And that's what I've I've tried to do. I I say that you've done a really great job of doing that for sure. You're welcome. Did he know right before? I mean, that he got the diagnosis three days before he passed away? No, uh, they brought us into a conference room and they told us that they um, they were pretty sure that he had this, but it would take a, a skin biopsy and that, um, you know, if he made it out, he'd be very limited and that he wouldn't be able to do some of the things that he loved to do. And my son's dream was to be a hockey player, an ice hockey player. And I said right there, no one is telling my son um, about this vascular EDS because no one is taking his dream away from him. So he never knew about vascular EDS. And I, I sucked up the, the, my anguish and I made sure that my face didn't show it. And when I went in, he wasn't going to know that he had this. He had enough to deal with, enough to fight for his life. He wasn't going to be crushed by this diagnosis and to take all his hopes and dreams away from him. That was not going to happen on my watch. <laughs> so. Wow. It didn't. Wow. So yeah. how did you how did you cope with that as a mom? Like I, I am not a mom. I've heard that the the anguish and despair that comes from losing a child is one of, if not the worst feeling. It how, is. how did you cope with that? Yeah. My you know, I, I was the empty shell and it was like part of me, the biggest part of me died with him. And, you know, to, to fill it, um, I knew that I had to, because you never, uh, your love and memories never die. So, you know, I had to give that love that I had for my son, I had to, to give it to someone else. And who better than those that had the same vascular EDS that he had. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's, that was my, my saving grace. One of my saving graces was 
my daughter saved my life and the work that I did for vascular EDS because everyone that I met, I saw um, essence of my son. Um, so it was, you know, like giving and still loving my son through the beds community and the people that I met have been truly a blessing to me in my life. Even though, you know, it's been hard to lose so many people, I've grieved many, many people that have touched my heart, but I am so much better for knowing them. That's incredibly sweet. And I know that we are very grateful and blessed to have you as well. Thank you. I'm blessed to have you too. (laughs) (laughs) I love you bunches. Um, (laughs) So you said that you were like an empty shell and that it, you know, it really took, you took all of that love that you had for Dave and put it towards this community and other people with the same thing about how long did it take you to start feeling like yourself again? Did you ever start feeling like yourself? I, I think, um, you know, I, I made contact with um, the National Foundation, which was um, the Society Now, and I started um, a Southern New Jersey branch um, of, you know, to bring awareness education. So I was so um, concentrated on finding those that had EDS, all types. I helped all types of EDS, um, getting them diagnosed. I go to different events and set up a table, give out pamphlets, um, educate um, the community. But the main thing that really um, was one of those shocking moments was when I received a phone call a year after uh, Dave died. And it was from uh, another mom who also lost her 14-year-old son in the same exact hospital as Dave. And he had vascular EDS. And his name was Jordan David Specht. Wow. And so initially he was misdiagnosed as classical EDS. And then eventually he was diagnosed correctly. But it was her and I, the instant bond that we formed that day you know, from our exact experience to to go from um, Dave being the second one that they ever knew of and here a year later, another uh, boy with vascular EDS loses his life in the same exact hospital. So it that started the moms on a mission and her and I um, went to every single uh, EDS conference Um, Her and her family started a goth outing, uh, which we helped to raise funds to support EDS and awareness. And so um, there were a lot of moms along the way, a lot of, you know, moms on a mission. Um, Linda Lentz, her son, Canton, she was instrumental in getting the the ER physician CD-ROM made. Mm-hmm. so that it could be distributed to all of the, the emergency rooms back in the day, 2002, I think it was. 
So she was a very important role and helped save a lot of lives. So it, it was, you know, just doing what we had to do to, you know, find people and, you know. Yeah, mom's on a mission. I like I like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, that is really shocking to have happen a year after after Dave's death, especially the same hospital. Mm-hmm. I knew then that um that I had to do what I initially set out to do mm-hmm. and educate the you know, the community, even the hospitals, to educate them and to, you know, to send direct people to them. And that's what we did was try to start, you know, something like that. But then it became obvious that uh, from phone calls I was receiving from people that, you know, their loved one would be in the hospital and they needed access to medical journal articles that were relevant to their care so that they could give it to the physicians that were treating the patients, Mm -hmm. their their loved ones. And so um, it was probably um, 1999, 2000, um, that I was uh, co-founder of EDS Today, which was initially a newsletter for, by, and about people with EDS. But we published medical journal articles that were relevant to the care that most of the vascular people needed. So they would have access to those medical journals. We would get permission to print the whole entire article. So that was a blessing. Our first article was about the GI manifestations. And in that article, it told me everything I needed to know about um, what happened with Dave and that he should have been diagnosed based on the findings about perforation in a young person without any prior, you know, history. Yeah it should have been a red giant red flag. Mm -hmm. So, but that helped to, to save a lot of lives. Plus back um, then the national Institute of health, um, they had research studies through Dr. uh, Nas McDonald. So she would, um, you know, do a lot of research on all different types of EDS. So we advertised um, information about that and got the word out. So that, that was a big help. How did you really start getting connected with everybody and building this network of people in 1999, 1996? I know the internet was new and it isn't as robust as it is today. I'm just amazed that you were able to do that and and interested in how you did. Well, through the, the national, um, the national foundation and the conferences, that's how we met different people, but it was through Yahoo had a support group. It was an email um, support group. Um, Sue Ginley and I think Linda Newman Potash um, oversaw that. So that eventually became the VEDS um, support group on Facebook. A lot of the people from there um, through Sue Ginley um, connected and we shifted from Yahoo to Facebook. Wow. So that's how it grew and uh, it, it just, you know, continued. Well, you have done a really incredible job of all of your accomplishments over the last 20, I guess it's been 25 years now. Yeah. Um, which accomplishments or accomplishments are you most grateful for? 
I think the the number one is uh, to God for restoring my faith and for keeping my family together. Um, the second would be the 2002 emergency room physician reference CD-ROM for the vascular type, which saved hundreds, if not thousands of lives. And I would say meeting everyone in the BEDS community and being blessed to know some amazing, courageous people who like touched me to my core that I will never forget. And I carry them with me every single day. I what? think that that's it. <laughs> that's it. Just that small thing. <laughs> yeah, that small thing. And, and, you know, and the reason for it all is because of Dave and love. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the reason for my journey. What brought back your faith? I, what really brought it back was um, people in the vascular community. A few of them um, said things to me that were profound. And um, I, I'm not going to share a lot of them, but it was through, through that, that experience with them. Mm-hmm. You also mentioned uh, before this podcast that you made a pretty profound discovery after Dave's death as well that I don't think that you've shared yet on the on the podcast. Do you want to share that? I do. Yes. It was um, probably a few days, probably a week, not even a week um, after Dave's death. And um, I... I worked in the um, school as a child study secretary and uh, my sister-in-law also worked there. And so she called me to say when Dave went back to school in May, um, you know, before to graduate for eighth grade, um, one of his school projects, his class projects was he, he wrote a poem. But the way that it came about, now Dave wasn't a reader. He read stats and hockey stuff, and he, he really wasn't a writer. He was, you know, a boy. He liked, you know, hockey stats, hockey talk, everything hockey. Mm -hmm. But um, so if he wrote something so profound, I think he would have shared it. You know, that was my thought. But it came about where um, at his funeral, I didn't want to read it until um, I didn't want it read until then. And my brother read the poem that was entitled Life. And it says, his name tells how it is for him. He wonders whether he should go on, but he feels so strong on reaching his goal. There are many things that happen to him but he just pushes on. The goal is like a shining light that is blinding him. The only way of stopping the light is to reach the goal. Something happens and he thinks about stopping, but the way is now drawn for him. And he knows after getting through this has helped him see the light even brighter now. 
the way he feels now, he can do anything. And at that time, um, Dave never knew that he had uh, vascular EDS. He never knew what they had said to us. And they had told us that he would never, he'd be very limited and not be able to do what he loved to do. And so it kind of said to me that, you know, he, he heard what was said. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, it, there's no explanation for this poem to just suddenly, it suddenly popped up on a computer. It was summer after summer. Um, it was July and one of the teachers went in to use the computer and this poem popped up on the computer, had his name on it and they printed it out and they learned that he passed away. Wow. So they, they shared this poem with us. Wow. Yeah. That is so special. Yeah. It was an amazing, uh, gift. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much for reading it on the podcast. You're welcome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. If you had, so I know that the, the experience in the hospital with him in 1996 was nothing short of terrible. Yeah. Um, over the years, have there been any doctors or medical professionals that have shown a completely different side to you that you are grateful for? <laughs> like if you had had a handful of doctors that or experiences, positive experiences, which ones would you share? Well, um, you know, there, there were a few, but none that made an impact um, until 2016 when Dr. Byers introduced me to Dr. Shaloup, a vascular surgeon that we know too well. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and they asked me to help with um, the VEDS collaborative and to be a stakeholder. But at the time, my heart, you know, jumped for joy, you know, that, wow, there's an actual vascular surgeon who is uh, interested in vascular EDS. Mm -hmm. So when I finally met her in person and spoke with her and saw her sincere passion and dedication firsthand, she definitely restored my faith in the medical field. And to be in the uh, room at the meeting with all of the physicians in there um, speaking about um, vascular EDS and seeing that and wit witnessing that it was an overwhelming joy that I felt like I could take a breath. I, I really felt like, oh my gosh, I, I don't have to, you know, be, you know, so, um, you know, on guard or to make sure, you know, that there are people in place that, you know, I can say, oh, call this one or call that one. That was the, the biggest struggle was trying to get some people help. Um, or, you know, even a consultation with someone who was knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. So that is, you know, I am just so thankful for, for the collaborative and, and, you know, the, the VEDS movement. That is just an amazing, amazing network. So I, I'm thankful for the progress that has finally come about.
Yeah, it really feels like I was diagnosed in 2017, and the first time I met you is at that Vets Collaborative meeting in 2018. Is that the one that you're thinking of? Yes, that's the one. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, I knew you from your picture, so when I saw you, I'm like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) it was so funny. I had never, I'd actually, I don't think I was in the Vets Facebook yet or something, and so I didn't know who you were. And yeah. I come out and I had been up for a couple hours already, just kind of waiting. And I was already on decaf coffee because that's who I am. And yeah. I go over there and I'm like, oh, my gosh, somebody is finally awake and ready yeah. and coming out. You know, and you turn around, you're like, I know you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like the sweetest thing. And little did I know, like, I didn't know who I was talking to, you know, but I love you and appreciate you so much and have learned so much about what you've done over the last 25 years and how important of a role you've played in really advocating and that meeting it really was incredible like I, I had the same kind of feeling and I was not nearly involved as much as you were prior to that you know yes, but it was such a you. huge weight off it was meeting. it was an amazing moment to be in that room all together with the same mission and to sit across from you know, all these positions that, you know, were determined to make a difference. Mm-hmm. It, it was, it was a breath of fresh air. And, it really was. You know, yeah. And I, so. I think like a lot of what we've done since then has really been born out of the connections that were made. Yes. During that meeting. Definitely. Yes. It's incredible. It is. It was meant to be. It was. It was meant to be. And then the the VED study came out of that, too, the natural history study. Yes. I was just able to um, send all of Dave's medical records, which I have had for 25 years, and I had nowhere to send them. So to me, that is the biggest gift, that knowing that um, Dave and what happened and his story and his record will you know, contribute to the study. And, you know, I'm just thankful that those that passed away can also uh, be included, that their voice um, is still would still be recognized and still be included. So that's been a blessing. Yeah, that's a huge thing that natural history study, I think it has couple hundred people at least enrolled now and some of them who have passed away and I love how you phrase that as um you know their voices still being heard and their stories being heard that's such an important thing yeah looking at the history right and and knowing you know having all that um documentation in one uh place um it's so powerful you know to be able to pull something up and to to learn about it so the more that we can have uh, people contribute to it, the bigger it will be and the more knowledge that will be gained from it. Mm-hmm. So it, it is uh, a blessing. So if you're listening to this podcast and you want to enroll yourself or a family member who has passed away from VEDS, um, you can absolutely do that. That's the VEDS Collaborative Natural History Study. I will put a link to that in the description of this episode as well. Last question for you. What advice do you have for those dealing with a VEDS diagnosis? Um, I would first say that 
as hard as it is to receive a diagnosis, um, it's so much harder, so much more devastating not knowing and taking a chance to receive inappropriate medical care. Um, I, I would seek out the most skilled physicians, surgeons in your area uh, and have them be associated with a teaching hospital. I would have a well thought out plan in place and always weigh the risks versus, you know, the, you know, the procedure or the, you know, fix the easy fix, mm -hmm. the risk, you have to weigh the risk and to take precautions, to have precautions in place. Um, and the last is to find the VEDS community, either through the VEDS movement or the VEDS support group on Facebook. This is your network for support, advice, and to know you'll never walk alone in this journey. There's always someone there to hold your hand and to help you. That is so true. And I have found the community to be so helpful. And just knowing other people who are affected by this has just been a really incredible experience. And I, I really thank you, Kathy, for, for coming on and, and sharing your story and Dave's story and the Bowen story and for really everything that you've done for us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad I was able to tell, tell our story. Thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for listening. This was Staying Connected. This is Katie, your host. As a reminder, this podcast will be taking a break for the summer. I will be doing podcast interviews, though, through the summer. So if you would like to share your story on this podcast, please reach out to me at translucent1.blog. There is a contact page on that website, and I really look forward to hearing from you. Um, we will be back in the fall, so stay tuned, stay subscribed, and I will see you soon.